You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Or learn more about us online at theriverdurant.com. I'm in the book of Philemon today. Philemon. You might like to call it Philemon. Just before Hebrews, right after 2 Thessalonians, no, it's right after Titus. 2 Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Timothy, Titus, Philemon, there we go. Titus, Philemon, Hebrews. It's stuck in there, it's one little chapter. You rarely ever get a message from it in church. But there is a great message in it. There are a number of great messages in this book. It's significant mainly because the Apostle Paul wrote it while he was in prison. Philemon, if you can find chapter 1, we're looking at verse 6. <laughs> Philemon, chapter 1 and verse 6. That the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the working or by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. That the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you for the word today. I thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that helps me deliver this word. And I'm asking you to, that you will do what no preacher can do, and that is take these words, turn them into seeds, plant them into hearts that are plowed up for good soil, ready to receive this engrafted word today to change our lives for the better. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we are always changing for the better, hopefully. It is the will of God for you to change every day, for you to grow in some way, for you to grow fruit in your life. And uh, I was thinking about faith when I was reading this verse, faith. There are several issues concerning faith here, but one of them is that it grows, that, 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 it, that it becomes more effective. The, one of the things that we're, we're, we've been mistaught about faith is that everybody has faith. Well, the Bible does not say that everybody has faith. It says everybody has been given faith. But Paul later says not every man has faith. So it, it's, even though God gives everybody faith, doesn't mean that they still have what they were given. You understand what I'm saying here? It can, it can go away. Men can use their mouths until they are no longer believing. They're unbelieving. You got this? And they use their mouths enough in religion by quoting the law and commanding themselves and commanding others to follow the law. The law is not of faith. So what, so, you understand this? So being legalistic about your, about your Christianity can destroy your faith and can make you hate God, which is exactly what happened to the Pharisees. Nobody loved the Bible like they did. They loved the law. Oh, they loved the law. They loved the Bible, but they hated God. And the point of fact is that when Jesus came walking the shores of Galilee, he was God incarnate, and they hated him. You understand? So, so memorizing the, the law and loving the law in a legalistic kind of way will not, will not cause faith to take place in your heart. But understanding the word that is the message of God for this hour, the message of God for this day, amen, is a different message than the, the message of God for that day. 
And the Apostle Paul got the revelation. He said he, he was revealed a mystery. It was a, a mystery was revealed to him. And the mystery primarily was this, that Christ would indwell Gentiles. That Christ would indwell Gentiles. Hardly anyone, hardly anyone knew anything about that. Peter really had, had an experience in it, but he didn't have a full revelation of what the Lord was doing. The Apostle Paul got the revelation of what, what God was doing. And he writes these letters, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon from prison. It's an amazing thing to me, the kinds of things he says from prison. I get letters from prisoners all the time. I do at Christ for the Nations, uh, prisoners from the prison system. That We have a little Bible study that they can take, you know, go online and take their, our online Bible study. And, they, and then they take, the, they take the, the test and they send it in. I get letters from prisoners all the time. They don't ever sound like Paul. <laughs> they, don't ever, they don't ever sound like Paul. Ever. It's, it's amazing the kinds of things he wrote from prison. It's just shocking. He, he had a revelation just nobody else has. You did, I, I've, never, I, I prob, I've probably read over 100 letters from prison. I've never had one like this. Oh, no, when we, say, when we say prison, he was in a Roman prison. Yikes. Where may have had dead bodies laying in there for, for weeks and days and months and years. Sewage in the bottom of the thing. I mean, it was, whew, yeah. it, it, despicable, hor horrible place. And he writes things like, we are seated with him in heavenly places. He's in a pit <laughs> under the pit. Yeah. I've been there. Miss Ann and I have been in that Mamertine prison in Rome. He's in a pit under the pit. Down where the sewage did run into it. It had a hole in the bottom. It was awful. Just awful. Just a despicable place. He, we're seated with him in heavenly places. He had a revelation of Jesus. Jesus is far above all principalities and powers. These things came out of, came out of that prison. This letter came out of it too. And he's telling us that our faith has impact. Our faith has impact. Right from prison, he writes, your faith can be communicated. That's the first thing is found in verse 6. Your faith can be communicated. Secondly, your faith can become more effective. And third, your faith brings good things into your life. I'm going to say it again so Whitney can get it up on the board. Your faith can be communicated. Secondly, your faith can become more effective. And thirdly, your faith brings good things into your life. I've been thinking about this communication thing a lot. And this word communicated is, a, it is an interesting word in the Greek. It's the Greek word koinonia, spelled K-O-I-N-O-N-I-A. Koinonia. Let's make a friend of this Greek word by saying it. Koinonia. Now, some of you may have heard it before. Some of you may be uh, aware of it. Back in the 70s when the, uh, the, the, the Jesus movement was going, you know, the hippies all wanted to live in commune. So this was their favorite Greek word, koinonia meaning community and communion. But it means a lot, a, a lot of things. It has, it has powerful meaning. That this is the word that Paul uses here. Your faith can be koinonia or communicated. And it means this. Let me give you all the definitions of koinonia. Partnership, participation, social intercourse, to communicate, communion, distribution, or fellowship. Can I say it again? Partnership, participation, social intercourse, to communicate, communion, 
distribution or fellowship. That's what this word, word means. I, I believe what he's really saying here is in this, it does, it, he, he's talking about distribution. That the distribution of your faith. That did you live this faith so that others want this faith. The strongest way to distribute your faith is by living it. You understand this? The strongest way to distribute your faith is by living it. The reason why the world doesn't trust the church is so much of the church talks one way but lives another way. Can I have a good amen? So much of the church talks one way but lives another, world, another way, and they know it out there. They know you won't, If you don't scrutinize yourself, you don't have to. They're going to scrutinize you. They don't trust the church that talks one way and lives another way. The best way it's communicated is by how you live. I was thinking about this uh, from a story my pastor told me. I got a call one day from Pastor Jim Hester. He's been my overseer for many years. Darling man. Preparing for heaven now. He's 80, be 84 years old this spring and outlived every male member of his family by over 30 years. Most of them died before they turned 60. Some of them died before they turned 50. They, just, they were just not a genetically strong people, apparently. And he kind of was raised with the idea that he was supposed to die young until he got a hold of this message of faith. And he began to say every day, if you ask him how he is, he said, I am highly favored. I am blessed to the Lord and highly favored, and I will live and not die. Well, he's lived 30 years on that confession beyond what he should have, beyond what they, he chose life and spoke it. He called me one day and he said, John, what are you doing in San Angelo, Texas? I said, oh, I'm just preaching. Just do what I do. I said, why are you asking that question? He said, I just got back from Hawaii. You're not going to believe the story I, I'm about to tell you. I said, try me. I am a believer. My, my predisposition is to believe. <laughs> if a guy walks into my office and, 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 and says, I just arrived here from Mars, my predisposition is to say, was it a nice trip? Until I find out that he's a lunatic, you know, I'm going to do my best to just try to believe. Let that be your first response. Is that all right? <laughs> I said, try me. I do believe. He said, all right. He said, I was over here, in, over there in Hawaii preaching for the Baptist. He was still a Baptist, even though they kicked him out of the Texas Convention because he started speaking in tongues. It starts fires, you know. They kicked him out. Of the, he, he was head of mass evangelism for the Texas Association of Baptists. Preached everywhere. Great, great, great man. But he got baptized in the Holy Ghost and they didn't like him anymore. So, uh, But they still used him in international missions because he was so effective. So he was, o he was over there. Yeah. I wonder why. He was over there. He said, he said, I just got back. He said, I had a big convention, big conference, a lot of evangelism in Hawaii. And uh, he said, I, I, I trained the leadership you know, for the Baptists there. I said, why are you calling me? He said, I'm getting to it. He said, I was walking through a big, gigantic mall. Walking through a big, gigantic mall over there in Honolulu. And he said, there's a woman sitting, standing out there at a kiosk trying to sell us insurance. I think she's working for J.C. Penney at the time they had an insurance thing or something. See, it was Sears, Sears, all right. She was standing out front, 
And she said, hey, gentlemen, come over here. Let me sell you some life insurance. I, 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 got, I, got, I got all kinds of insurance here. I can, get, I can get you signed up for a cheap rate. He said, oh, ma'am, I'm, I'm fine. I, I'm, we, we, uh, I've, got, I've got all the insurance I need. She said, well, come over here just a minute. I've got to talk to you. I've got to tell you about my real job. If you've got all the insurance you need, I need to tell you about my real job. He said, what's your real job? She said, my real job is telling people about Jesus Christ and giving them the, the insurance of heaven. And, and she said, I was just wondering, do you men know Jesus Christ? Because if you don't, I can pray with you right here and right now, and you can come to know Jesus. He said, he said yeah, I'm a Christian. She said, are you sure you're a Yes, I'm, I'm a Baptist preacher, <laughs> praise God. Well, I'd, I'd love to pray with you. Have you ever heard about the Holy Ghost? He said, yeah, I'm speaking other tongues. And poor, the guy he was with didn't. He said, yeah, I do. I, I, I'm in. She said, oh, that's so good. He said, who are you? She said, well, I just got here from Texas and got this job. And she said, I, I just, uh, she said, you sound like you might be from Texas. He said, I am from Texas. And she said, oh, that's so good. That's so good. She said, you know, I just got here from Texas. And uh, she said, you make me think of my pastor. I really do miss him, the man that led me to Jesus and got me filled with the Holy Ghost. She said, he's really why I'm like I am. I was in that church for several years. I was a military bride. And she said, uh, but I got a divorce and I came, I came back home. I, I, she got a divorce and came to our church anyway. And she said, she said to him, she said, uh, did you ever meet a guy named John Holler? He said, John Holler's my son in the faith. Are you kidding? I preach at his church all the time. She said, I never did see you there. <laughs> she, said, <laughs> she said, I was there every time the doors were open. <laughs> he calls me up. He said, boy, I don't know what you're doing, but you're doing something right. You got them all. You, they're coming and going because it was a military town and a college town, and people came and left and came and left and came. He said, you're equipping them to win the world. Here they, he, said, he said, they're even trying to get the preacher saved. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. I mean, your faith can be communicated. Did you know that's your real job? I mean, you might have a job, but you've got a real job. Your faith can be communicated. Now, you don't have to be that, that bold and that brazen, although I like it. You know, here's somebody, she, she, she took it seriously. But, you know, you, you, you can find ways of communicating your faith. There are simple ways of communicating your faith. There are two things I want to talk to you about, about how to communicate your faith out there in this world. One is just to offer to pray for people. Because they're going to start talking to you about what's wrong with their life. You know, they'll start talking to you about what's wrong with your life. You say, well, I don't know. You know, I've had those kind of troubles too. And sometimes I've experienced those things. But, you know, I just believe in prayer. And I'd love to pray for you right here if you want me to. Or I can just pray for you another time. But could I just pray with you now? It's amazing how many, how many times I say, sure, go ahead and say a prayer for me. You can communicate your faith that way because there's need out there. There's great need out there. I'll tell you something else you can do to communi communicate your faith is learn to pay attention to dreams. Learn how to interpret dreams. I believe every believer ought to know how to interpret dreams. What would the, the narrative in the scriptures be like without dreams? Have you thought about it? Have you thought about how often dreams made a difference in the Bible? I mean, think about what the Christmas story would be like without, without Joseph's dreams, without the carpenter Joseph's dreams. Think about what they'd be like. Okay, and the baby was born in Bethlehem and was instantly murdered by Herod. Killed with the rest of them, except for dreams. Dreams talking. J dreams changing the thing. All right? You follow me? So uh, I, I've learned to, that I can get doors open uh, by just saying things like, man, I had a dream last night. I can't hardly shake it out of my mind. you ever have dreams? 
<laughs> oh, yeah. Well, tell me about your last dream. Why? I know how to interpret dreams. You know how to interpret dreams. See, you hadn't told them you're a Christian yet. Yeah. And everybody's interested in their dreams. How many of you sometimes are interested in getting your dreams interpreted? You, you, I mean, they, you, you have a dream that bothers you? Have a dream that bothers you? I wonder what that means, huh? I know how to interpret dreams, and I can teach you how to interpret dreams. We ought to do a session. We ought to do a couple of sessions. Do a, maybe a Friday night and Saturday morning or something. Do a little seminar on, on dreams and dream interpretation. How much are you willing to pay for that? No, I, I, I'll, be, I'll be glad to do that. We, we'll, uh, we'll have a... I'm just, I'm just kidding. We, 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 we could do that. It's, it's, very, it's a very powerful thing. It's a great witnessing tool. Okay. Please don't, please don't bring me all your dreams to interpret. I, uh, every time I open my mouth and say things like this, people drop, they just line up for me to interpret their dreams. But uh, <coughs> I, I believe that the reason we don't is because we've been all, we, we, we all been Freudianized. Freud said your dreams were nothing but a manifestation of your fears or desires. It wasn't quite that simple, but that's just hogwash. That's just nonsense. That's just man-made nonsense because Freud was such a freak, he made that stuff up. That, that's not, uh, if, you, if he's your hero, I'm sorry. I, no, I'm not. I don't like him. I don't like him. <laughs> and I've studied Freud, so I have a right to say what I say. Young, too. But uh, what Sigmund Freud didn't know anything about was the spirit realm. And I say that this is how God communicates to believers. Even those dreams you, you might think would never come from God, they have a message for you in them. And they're not condemning messages. They're encouraging messages. They're life-sparing messages. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. Secondly, this, this, this verse tells us that your faith can become more effective. Your faith can become more effective. I teach students all the time about preaching. I'm a Bible college instructor, you know, and, and uh, I, I teach them about how to, how to, just how to communicate. I taught Israel and, and Whitney uh, uh, the course is called homiletics. And uh, that's why they're so dynamic and wonderful. <laughs> that and they had a good mama, a couple of good mamas. Uh, one of the things you teach, and it's, just, it's a small piece of the course, a very small piece of the course. It's not even, it's not, it could almost, you could say it's ancillary to the course. But there's a, I take a, take a day and talk to them about gestures and other things that go with preaching. And I say, try to fit your gestures to the point you're making. Because if you just pull in from here and pull in from there and, and your gestures don't match, they don't blend with what you're talking about. Are you noticing my gestures right now? They, they kind of match what I'm talking about. I have, a fr- I have a friend that just can't make that happen. I'm not going to tell you who it was. It was not Terry Sparks, but he, but he was here at our conference recently. He's an amazing good preacher, amazing good preacher. But he, he'll, say some, he'll say some, when you got to go, you hear the voice of God. You just have to get up and go. And every time he does it, he does it. And I just took off running. The gestures never are with what he says. They sort of come afterwards. 
It's like there's some sort of sound delay between his mouth and his hands. The hands go, oh, yeah, we've got to do this. And he'll play it all out with his hands. I said, I said brother, you need to put those together. That would be better. I don't know I'm doing it. But everybody in the world does. You can be more effective with your faith. You can be more effective. Wherever you are right now, today, you can get your faith connected to your life and make the communication of it more effective. No matter how good you are at it, you can be more effective. Meaning your faith can grow. It's the only Christian virtue, the only spiritual virtue that's in both of the lists of the gifts and in the fruit. The gifts are listed in 1 Corinthians 12. The fruit are listed in Galatians chapter 5. And it's the only spiritual virtue that is in both of them. Why? Because one is a gift, a manifestation of the Spirit, and another is a thing grown. Fruit is grown as you live in the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. You're, when, you, when you come into this thing, you get, you get here by love. You get here by the peace, the message of the peace of God. Uh, the, 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 the gospel of peace. You, you get here with those, but you grow in them by the Spirit. And the longer you walk in the Spirit, the greater you grow the fruit of the Spirit. I was raised on a farm. I know it takes time to grow fruit. You don't plant a tree and automatically have peaches. You got to wait a while. You got to tend that tree. You got to act like you believe in peaches when you've not even seen a peach. You want joy? You've got to act like you believe in joy when there ain't no joy. You want the peace of God in your mind? You've got to believe in peace before you have any peace. You've got to grow it. Oh, I wish things had changed so I could be happy again. <laughs> You've got to get happy so things can change. Because, ha because happiness is based on what's happening. You ever hear the similarity of those words? Ha they come from the same root word. Happiness is based on what's happening. But joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Happiness is not in the list of the fruit of the Spirit. But joy is. Glory to God. Glory to God. Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Would you turn there with me? 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Verse 1, Miss Whitney. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. The grace of God, pardon me, bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. That is that province in the, what we would call Greece today. It's a northern piece where uh, Philippi is, where Thessalonica are. Okay, those cities. Far, quite, quite a ways north of Athens and Corinth. That in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Whoa, 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 whoa. That in a great trial of everybody say great trial of affliction. There's a real good chance none of us in this room have ever experienced a great trial of affliction on the, on the, on the scale that these people were going through. A great trial of affliction. The abundance of their joy... And their deep poverty 
abounded in the riches of their liberality. Now what that's saying is, and the literal translation says it like this. <clears throat> they were going through a great trial, but they had great joy. They mixed that great joy with their deep poverty and came up with a great big offering. What? You take joy and poverty and put them together and somehow you're able to give. The whole context of this passage is about this church giving and their giving. He, he goes on into chapter 9. He just, he just takes off. The whole of chapter 8 and chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians is about Paul uh, talking about these people, how they gave. Encouraging the Corinthian church to give like these people gave. Corinth is way down south. These guys are way up north. So the Yankees are teaching the rebels how to give. <laughs> May it never be. Amen. Their deep poverty. All they had that was spiritual and supernatural here was joy. And joy was a spiritual force. You understand? It's grown. It's grown. Just like faith is grown. Everything that you have in your life, you can grow. Anything that you got from God can grow. You can have more of it. Hallelujah. You can have more of what is good in your life. Miss Ann and I got married, and we started raising kids, and I'm telling you, we'd, we'd say this, and, oh, the Lord's been good to us. We did this and did that and had this miracle happen, and our kids were this and that. And, we just, and it just went on and on through life. Every now and then, we'd run into somebody and say, well, I sure hope it stays that way for you. But you never know. You never know when that, that hatchet's going to get you. Like they lived their entire life under the sword of Damocles. Who missed me that time. Sucked in that time. But you know what the sword of Damocles was, you know? It inched ever closer every time it swung by him. And just slowly tormented the poor victim to death and slicing him a little deeper every time it went through until he probably died of fear more than anything. Most people live their lives that way. Okay. 7 come 11, it's Tuesday. I hope it's all okay. I got through Monday, all right. <laughs> it's all a gamble. We never know when the devil's going to... Listen, the devil is going to attack, but he's already lost before he starts his fight. Your faith can become more effective because fruit is grown. I have a friend that many of you may have heard of. He went through some rough, rough times a few years back, but uh, he's really blowing and going strong again. But in his early days, he was hook, hooked up in some nasty, awful stuff, Satanism and all kinds of things. He wound up getting sent to San Diego to the Marine recruitment base. He thought he was joining the Navy. They put him in as a hospital corpsman, which makes him a Marine, basically. So he was out there going through that training. He says he showed up at the recruitment depot because he got stoned the night before he went. 
and somebody braided his hair and put a little bell on the bottom of each of the braids all around his head and said when he got there they the bar they said you got to get a haircut hippie took him down to the barber and the barber he said he started with a pair of scissors cutting off all those braids snip dingle snip dingle snip dingle snip dingle so then he got my head under his arm just went to clipping and laughing (laughs) he was a satanist and he was bad to the bone ugly mean and god put him because he had a praying grandmother god put him with two of the most radical christians the marine corps had ever seen he bunked with two other, two other guys that loved Jesus thoroughly. They talked to him about Jesus in the morning. Said, we're praying for you, Mike. We're praying for you. We're praying for you, Mike. Uh, don't be praying for me. I hate you. I hate God. They pray. They just pray for him and love on him. They'd get up in the morning, and they'd know he'd, he'd gotten drunk in the night or something and stayed out too late or something, and they'd fix his cot and shine his boots and have it all have, have him so, so he wouldn't get in trouble. Oh, he just hated them. He just hated their guts. One day, they got up, and one of them said, look, I've got to tell you. He said, don't you say that Jesus name to me again. He said, I've got to tell you about Jesus. And so, and Mike just pushed him. And the guy turned to catch himself, but missed and broke his nose on, the, on the, his footlocker. Broke his nose, and blood just gushed out everywhere. He's laying there, and half conscious. Mike walks over to him. He says, you, tell, you say that Jesus name to me again. And I'm going to cut you open in the night like a Christmas turkey. The guy reaches over and got, got his own blood off the floor on his hand and held it up. He says, that's okay. Jesus loved you enough to give his blood for you. I love you enough too, Mike. He says, man, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? He just couldn't get over that. He couldn't get over that. Day after day after day went by. One day he was in there in their little cube to get by himself, and one of them had left his Bible laying on his bed, face down. He said, "Well, I'll put it up for the jerk." He reached and got it, with it open, upside down. You know, he said, "I'm kind of holding it at arm's length." <laughs> he said, and all of a sudden, I heard a voice. Say, read it. Read it, Mike. And he turned it over. And he said, and I looked right above where my fingers were. And for the first time in my whole life, I read these words. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He said, I just threw the Bible down and fell down on my knees and said, Jesus, if this isn't some hoax, if this isn't some cruel joke, Make me like these two guys. Wow. <laughs> and old Mike Warnke gave his heart to Jesus that day, knelt down by the bed. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Your faith can become more effective. Now, again, you don't have to be a radical. You just got to believe that you're supposed to grow in it. It's the will of God for you to grow in it. Their faith became more radical, more, they won that one guy to Jesus, but Mike Warnke probably won tens of thousands of people to Christ. Close personal friend of mine. The third thing it says is your faith 
brings good things into your life. Notice that by the acknowledging, this, let's see it again, the effectual become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but when I got a hold of this faith thing, my life got better. Good things started coming into my life. When I think about it, I look back over my life, uh, every good thing that's in my life is, is there as a gift from God. I think about this, this pretty little girl I'm married to. I was looking at her this morning in the bedroom thinking, she's nearly 60 years old. Y'all don't know this, but she's nearly 60 years old. She'll be 60 years old this July. Most women don't want to talk about their age, but she does because she looks so good. I want to grab her and kiss her. I don't understand these, these young students that come to Christ for the nation sometimes and say, Pastor John, how do you go about getting a wife? Well, what are you looking for in a wife? Well, I want a woman that can preach. Join me in ministry and preach like I, you know, we're going to be a team of, like Kenneth and Gloria. <laughs> well, that's fine. Another one said, oh, I don't know. When me, I want, a, I want a wife that can play the piano, you know, and lead the music. When, Oh, that's, that's good, too. Another one said, oh, not me. I want a wife that can sing. I want one that can sing and lead worship and bring the glory in before I preach. I guess that's all good. Why are you saying it like that? Well, I think those are really kind of dumb reasons to want a wife. Man, when I went looking for a wife, I went looking for a girl that could kiss. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Isn't that all right? I mean, <laughs> I can hire all that other stuff done. I <laughs> Amen. Well, you're in Oklahoma. It's all right to talk frank, I tell you. Talk plain. <laughs> your faith brings good things into your life. Your faith brings good things into your life. My wife is a good partner in ministry, but that's not why I married her. Your faith brings good things into your life. Brings good things into your life. I've told you all that I love the Dallas Cowboys, right? I don't care. It's been 19 seasons without the smell of a Super Bowl. I don't care. It's my team. I'm stuck with them. I have to pick another team at playoff time. You know, every December I start thinking, who am I going to start rooting for? Because I know I can't root for the Cowboys through, you know, at the end of December. <laughs> but uh, I love them anyway. I always have. Well, if you want to talk history, we have five Super Bowl rings. There's only two or three teams that are bigger than that. Two. I think they have that many or more. We've been there eight times. It's a great, great team. We have statistically the greatest running back that has ever played the game. But when people talk about great running backs, they never list him. He's not even in the top ten usually. But statistically, he's the greatest running back that ever played the game. But anybody that watches football, and I'm one of them, I know he was no Barry Sanders. I know he was no Jim Brown. He was no O.J. Simpson. He was no Eric Dickerson. He wasn't even close to any of these guys. 
Billy Sims, for that matter. This guy was a good running back and statistically the best, best, most yards, most touchdowns, most this, most out of He's got all kinds of records. His name is Emmett Smith. But you put him up against some of those other names I just named, even Perkins was amazing. He just doesn't stack up. You watched him run. What made him so amazing? Well, an offensive line that was amazing. But uh, you still have to be able to get in that hole if they make it for you. You still have to be able to get in it. I don't know how many times I'd see the Dallas Cowboys on, down, uh, on first and goal. Why even call a play? Just stand up and say, I'm giving the ball to Emmett. Hey, guys, Emmett's getting the ball. We know who's getting the ball. Everybody in the offense knew before the play was called, Emmett was getting the ball. Everybody in the defense knew who was getting the ball. Emmett's getting the ball. Everybody in the stands knew who was getting the ball. Everybody watching by television in China knew Emmett was getting the ball. But knowing who's getting the ball and doing something about it, that's two different things. Because there's a real good chance he's going in, even though everybody already knows who's getting the ball. I asked myself, why did this little guy turn out to be so great? It couldn't just be that he played for the best team ever, although they were a great football team back then. There had to be something great about him. I think I know what it was. He stand back there. I, there's two names I didn't name on purpose. He stands back there. And they call. Troy starts that hard count, you know. Down! Sit! 45! By the way, ladies, football, there's no 11 in footballs. There's only 11. 11. Gotta learn how to say it. 11! And I think while all that's going on, Emmett's sitting back there and casts up an eye up high. And up around the perimeter of that building is something they call the Ring of Honor. And there's names in it. I was there on the night in Texas Stadium, the old Texas Stadium, when Troy and Emmett and Michael Irvin were all inducted at the same time. It was a wonderful time for a cowboy fan. We got beat, but anyway, it was good. <laughs> I can just see Emmett while Troy's giving that count. Look up there, and he looks up there, and he sees names. He sees the name of Don Perkins. He sees the name of Don Meredith. He sees the name of Bob Lilly. He sees the name of Tom Landry. He sees Roger Staubach's name up there. And down toward the end, back then, it was on the end, there was another name. Tony Dorsett. His initials just happened to be TD, the same initials as Touchdown had run the longest touchdown run in the history of football from one end zone to the other. 
Only recently was that was it broken. I got an idea that Emmett's out there, and he's thinking what he was, I now am. Can I tell you something? Your champion has already gone ahead of you. Tony Dorr said won two Super Bowls. Emmett won three. Because what he was, he now is. What Jesus was, now that he's seated on high, if you'll keep looking to him and think about all he did and all he can be and all he, can, all he was and all he wants to be in you, you will now be what he, he does not say that you are his servants only. It says you are his body. Tell these people what I just did to you. Pinched me. I pinched you. Did I pinch you? <laughs> yeah. It didn't hurt, did it? I pinched you. I did not pinch her head. I pinched her arm. But her head said, you pinched me. I just pinched her arm, but her head said, you pinched me. This is why on the road to Damascus, the Lord Jesus, when he encounters and stops Paul in his tracks, says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? (laughs) The head takes it personal when something wrong happens to you. That's who you really are in the earth. That's who you're really supposed to think you are in the earth. That's not thinking too highly of yourself. The Bible didn't say you shouldn't think highly of yourself. It says you shouldn't think more highly than you ought to. All that means is you are his body. You're not the head. That's all you got. You just got to stop right there. I'm not the head, but I am the body. I am the body of Christ. When I get pinched, his head talks. Glory to God. When I get pinched, my head talks. Amen. I love this thought. Your faith brings good things into your life. I I think I told you all this story, but some of you may not have heard it. My friend and I went to get our wives something to eat one day, Terry Sparks and I. Our wives were hungry for breakfast. It was Saturday morning, and, you know, I don't know if you, you guys know this, but in my world... The husband makes breakfast on Saturday morning. Yeah, that's what most <laughs> Yesterday I was going to get out in the garage and work a little bit. And I said to Miss Ann, I said, honey, we need to get around and get out in that garage and get to work. She said, I ain't doing nothing till you feed me. <laughs> so I made breakfast and cooked some French toast and some bacon. Did I feed you good? Fed her good. It was one of those Saturdays, Terry Sparks and I, we got in the car, and Terry didn't want to cook, neither did I, so we got in the car, we went looking for some, for some breakfast burritos. We were way down South Texas, Southern Texas, San Marcos area. And we went to the H-E-B. Now, H-E-B's a giant grocery store there. We love H-E-B. Wish we had them up here. Uh, 
pulled in the parking lot at H-E-B, and I heard a noise. I heard a really weird sound, a real tinny-sounding voice going, I have been tampered with. I have been tampered with. I have been tampered with, and it's real loud. We parked. Terry said, oh, look around. This is when these kind of alarms have just come out. He said, that's a, that's a car alarm, John. He said, look around. There'll be a Lexus or a new Cadillac or some kind of high-dollar car because those things are real expensive. He said, look around. There'll be a, be a really high-dollar car uh, that that's coming from. Somebody put, put, pulled up the door handle, and, and, and it went off. I said, okay. So we get parked, and we still can't figure out where it's coming from. We get out of the car and start walking in. And as we're walking in, a young fellow's coming running out of the store. And he's got his fob, and he's pointing it at this little tiny roller skate of a car <laughs> worth about $15. <laughs> he's, he's punching a button, and Terry Sparks started laughing. He, had, he wore a toupee back then, and his, and his toupee was clean sideways the time he was done laughing. <laughs> he said, I said, you want to straighten that up a little bit, brother? He laughed and laughed. He said, I can't believe it. I just can't believe it. He spent more on the security system than the car was worth. We went in the store and found, you know, shot and killed something, brought it out, take home to our women. <laughs> Had it in a bag. And we came back out, and that, little par that parking place was still empty. That guy had left. And Terry started laughing again. And I said, why is that so funny to you? He said, that's just funny. He spent more on that security system than the whole car was worth, I'm telling you. I said, Terry, how valuable was the price God paid for you? He said, okay, here it comes. You're going to preach this, aren't you? I said, yeah. <laughs> that little car was sitting there saying, I may not look like much to you, but somebody paid a high price for my security, praise God. All I can say is I got born again by a price that was far greater than I'm worth. Hallelujah. Whew. I have been tampered with. Don't mess with me, devil. <laughs> Somebody thinks enough. Your faith brings good things into your life. Your faith brings good things into your life. Praise God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity you've given us to share the word, to hear the word, and to be blessed by the word. I'm asking you to make this a, make this a, a fruitful time for the people who've heard it today in Jesus' name. Now, with your heads bowed, just for a moment. I want to address those who may be here today who need to know Jesus as your Savior. If you've never made Christ the Lord of your life, never asked Him to come into your life and forgive you, you know, that, that's really all it takes. It's just believing that He died for your sins and that He was buried and that He rose again the third day, just like the Scripture says. That is the gospel. Christ died for your sins and He was buried and He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. If you'll believe that, trust in him, cling to him that way, then the Bible says that you'll become a new creature and heaven will be your home. If that's you today and you've, you'd like to make that acknowledgement, you'd like to say yes to Jesus, and I'm not saying that you've, whether you've done this before or not, I'm saying, I'm saying today you know that you're not prepared and you want to make Jesus Lord of your life. Would you raise a hand because I want to pray with you. God brought you here for this moment. If that's you, God brought you here for this, this, this moment right here to acknowledge the good things that are in you. The gospel is in you now. Hallelujah. And it will bring forth fruit. And you can live eternally in glory and bliss and happiness and joy and have all that God intended for you to have.
not the will of God for anybody to go without. Not the will of God for anybody to be lost. It's the will of God for everybody to be saved. That's why I brought you here today. Anyone here in the building want to pray the prayer of salvation? Because I want to give you just a minute to say yes or no. All right. All right. God bless you. Let's stand up on our feet. Praise the Lord. Did you enjoy church today? Yeah. Miss Ann is here. She's your pastor, and she's going to lay her hands on you and pray with you. If you have any need today, if you need prayer for boldness, you want to address this message that I've, that I've ministered to you, and you want your faith to increase, you want your life to grow in the things of God, Miss Ann's here to pray with you and, and agree with you for whatever you need. If, you have, if you've got a sickness in your body and you want prayer for that, she'll be here to pray with you. Our elders are here as well. Some of our elders are here to minister to you in any way. By the way, Dylan here and Greg here and Larry. Where's Larry? Larry's right there. Are, are our elders and their wives uh, serve as elders here. Frank, the man we prayed for this morning. I, most of you know Frank, but he's, uh, he's an elder par excellent. I mean, a, and a prophet of God. I love this man dearly. And he's going to be all right. Yes, he is. He's going to be all right. Yes, Amen. But uh, if, you need, if you need anything today, would you sing something, play something, Casey? Before we go out of here, praise the Lord.